we all know that person who has the kind of limp fish handshake and you, yeah. you know, there's nothing there. There's no, it's like, there's no transfer of energy. And, and, you know, usually that, that hand, that kind of handshake is followed by, you know, not, eye, no connection in the eyes, no warm smile. Um, and, and more, it's just more perfunctory or, or, you know, not, there's, there's nothing behind it. And then yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the person who's just going to cramp down and just really jam on your hand. And I have a couple of friends where I'm like, dude, you got to go easy on the handshake. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, you know, and they're, you're thinking they're trying to show some dominance over you or really just get into, into that. And, um, and yet that middle of the road handshake is really what I'm looking for. Just nice, firm, followed by and with that um, facial um, acknowledgement, you know, yeah. eye contact, uh, a warm smile, as opposed to being cold and like, I don't want to be here kind of face. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. Ethan, you're a husband, you're a father, you and your wife co-founded Pro Assisting, and then you guys co-wrote a book, The 29-Hour Workday, and so much more. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. I, I like to kick things off by going back a bit. Where did you grow up, and what was childhood like for you? I'm sorry, what was the second half? Oh, um, where did you grow up, and what was childhood like for you? You know, uh, looking back, I had a very blessed um, childhood. Uh, I am an only child. Okay. And I do have four parents or, or did when I was growing up. Unfortunately, my stepfather passed away. But while I was growing up, I was really fortunate in that all of my parents got along. And I was an only child with no step siblings. So people love to call me spoiled. <laughs> um, but, you know, I got so much out of all four of my parents mm -hmm. growing up that it was um, looking back on it. I was really lucky. Um, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York where I'm sitting right now, uh, you know, a town of 15,000 people wow. in the, in the winter. And then it goes to about 30,000 in the summer when everybody comes to stay on the lake. <laughs> and I felt stifled, you know, mm -hmm. I felt there was no anonymity and I couldn't get out of here fast enough. And I thought that I would never come back. And yet here I am. There you are. <laughs> I think I was reading, you like worked with your dad at his restaurant, right? Yeah, it was my first job. Um, I mean, I started bussing tables when I was nine years old, uh, not making any money because you weren't allowed to pay me. Um, sure. But yeah, it, all the way through high school and summers during college, uh, I, I worked from being a dishwasher all the way up to assistant manager uh, wow. when needed and, and bartender and server and all of it. So yeah. Wow. Very cool. I, I, I've had many jobs over the years. Some of them were included in the restaurant industry as a, a busboy as well. So I totally understand that. <laughs> I think everybody should work in a restaurant at some point in their life. Um, totally. 
both from a <laughs> hospitality standpoint uh, and having a sense of what that is, yeah. as well as um, just a, you know, work ethic. I mean, if you get in the weeds and you're at a restaurant, you just got to keep cranking to get through it. And uh, there's there's something to be learned there. Yeah. I mean, that also kind of ties into another section you talk in your book about the difference between services and hospitality. I worked as a bellman at, at the Doubletree when I was in college. And, you know, there's, I would say that's some somewhat hospitality. And then you got some of the services, but what is the main difference between services and hospitality? Well, I, I think that um, you have to provide a service first yeah. and then raise it to the level of hospitality. Mm. And um, there is an amazing talk, uh, eight minute TED talk by Bobby Stuckey, who's a sommelier and restaurateur in Colorado. And it's titled How to Be a Hospitalian. And the way he describes it is that a service is something that is done to you while hospitality is how someone makes you feel. And when we apply that to us in our business, providing remote fractional executive assistant support to business owners, providing the service of being an assistant is one thing. Being able to raise that service to a level of hospitality takes it to the next level. Yeah. Wow. It's, I, li I love that definition there. And, and you and your wife, you guys started processing back in 2009, I think, but it was a different version of the processing that you have today. Why did you guys decide to, to launch processing? I am an eternal entrepreneur. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were living in New York City at the time. We were both really high level executive assistants uh, working for in the C suite of billion dollar organizations. And felt that we could offer something uh, from a training perspective to recent college graduates um, and say someone comes out of school with a history degree. We felt that through the internet, we could train them rather quickly on how to be an executive or administrative assistant to go into an industry that they're interested in or passionate about, get a job as an assistant, prove yourself from within and then get promoted. Gotcha. So um, we ran that from 2009 to 2017. And then in 2018 is when we transitioned to um, a remote fractional executive assistant firm. Gotcha. Gotcha. What was the deciding factor in kind of making that transition or that pivot there? I got laid off. Okay. Um, we, we, we left New York City in 2015 um, quit our jobs, ditched our health care and moved back to Canandaigua, which almost felt a little bit like a failure because I said I was never going to come back. Sure. Um, and the term executive assistant means something completely different here than it does in major metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. um, I was fortunate enough to get a job working for the CEO of the second largest employer in Rochester, Rochester Regional Health, $2 billion yeah. in revenue, 16,000 employees. And I was director of admin services for them, um, overseeing a team of 80 assistants. Wow. And after two years, he wanted to make a move, gave me a very generous severance package. And the next day we started um, calling ad agencies about pivoting our business to what you see today. Wow. Wow. I, 
it's interesting that you hear of all these stories of entrepreneurs who've really taken that leap when they got fired or they got laid off from a job, you know, like that's the pushing point, you know? Yeah. Burn the bridges <laughs> and uh, you can't go back. And, um, it, it actually about six months prior to then, um, a friend of ours reached out to my wife and said, Hey, I know this fortune 100 consultant. She travels the world. She needs great assistance support, doesn't care where you are and doesn't need full time. Are you interested? And at that point, Stephanie was home with our two boys kind of pulling her hair out. And she said, sure, absolutely. And when she took that client on, that's kind of when we did our deep dive on the virtual assistant space and saw an opening for us and, and what we could do and what we saw that is different than just a virtual assistant. Yeah. And I think, you know, in podcasting and entrepreneurship world, we hear that word virtual assistant come up all the time. Yeah. What is the big difference between a virtual assistant and executive assistant? Well, you know, from what we hear from a lot of our clients who come to us from virtual assistant companies, um, it's, it, it's one, a level of experience. Mm -hmm. um, it is a, uh, an exclusivity that and that we provide our clients in terms of support Monday through Friday, nine to five, even though it's in a fractional basis. Um, it really, you know, is leveraging our hard experience of being top level executive assistants for more than 20 years each. Yeah. And when I think of virtual assistants, it's more along the lines of a task list and a lot of asynchronous work that they can do around, you know, either being a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad or um, uh, at their own choosing, whereas we are really providing full executive assistance support. It's just that our clients don't have to pay for a full-time employee because they're sharing their assistant with one or two other clients. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that's a, I like that, uh, the way that you guys have that set up. What do you see when you, when you talk with executive assistants, what is it that the most successful executive assistants are doing that others are just not doing? You know, um, we've seen this transition uh, from legacy assistants, legacy executive assistants, which is kind of in the madman men style of, um, you know, the, the, uh, lady sitting outside the executive's office, she's got very sharp elbows. She's not afraid to use them. She is a strict gatekeeper. Um, you know, she's not afraid to tell you if you're screwing up and, and come on, get your button gear to a transition to a modern assistant. And, um, really it, it, it comes a big part of it comes down to that hospitality portion that we mentioned before, really yeah. knowing your place in that you are in service to your principal, even though you're a partner mm -hmm. and looking at your role as kind of all encompassing being a business partner, a chief of staff, a project manager, an assistant scheduler and a personal assistant and being that single point of contact for your principal. So they can come to you and have an eight minute conversation and the to-do list goes from 12 things to two and, um, really being able to represent your principal, their company at a high level where the principal feels comfortable putting you in front of anyone. And then 
when someone that you interact with on behalf of your principal leaves that interaction or conversation, they walk away and they say, you know, I don't know what it was about Jennifer, but she was really good. Um, and that's that interpersonal skills, emotional intelligence, hospitality, that kind of mentality. So, so important to, to have that stuff and that mentality for sure. I want to get into your book here, The 29-Hour Workday, A High Performer's Guide to Leveraging Your Executive Assistant. This was named one of seven books that help you build a better business by entrepreneur. Congrats on the success, first off. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. What was the experience like writing a book with your wife? <laughs> um, interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was... Uh, it was like uh, writing a book and couples therapy all rolled into one. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, uh, fortunately, um, we had a company called Scribe Media that um, helped us write our book. And um, they were really good at pulling out what needed to be pulled out of us and our career experiences to really make what we feel is a very valuable instruction manual that... Um, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, um, high performers can leverage to make sure they're getting the most out of their assistant support and that partnership. Mm -hmm. And it really meshed well with what we're doing with our company. And, and it, there was great purpose behind writing it. Um, it was a lot of work, um, but you know, frankly, Stephanie and I have the benefit of, you know, working in the same roles. And throughout our careers, we would have dinner and a glass of wine and, you know, stories would always come up and we, we were great at bouncing ideas or dealing with issues off of each other. Yeah. And, and so a lot of that came out in the book and, and now we're, we're able to do that for our assistants who are our partner EAs, um, within our company. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I've got about 28,000 words done of my book uh, and it was hard enough writing it with myself. And, and of course I want to send it to my wife to reread it and I'll probably have to rewrite it after I send it to her, but uh, you know, <laughs> so, you'll get there. You'll yeah, get there for sure. I know that like my personal experience with executives is they're like very micromanagers and in your book, you talk about four superpowers that executive assistants must have. A couple of questions here. Why is it so hard for executives to just let go and stop micromanaging? And then what are those four superpowers that they need to have? Well, um, you know, it's most successful entrepreneurs, executives are, are type A micromanagers. Yeah. And um, I think part of the process uh, to grow and, and move beyond that is to um, relinquish some of that control. And we find that when you're working with an assistant, sometimes and a lot of times we have to fight the quote unquote, I can do it faster myself urge. Yeah. And once we get through that and explain to our client or our principal that it may take you a little longer to walk me through this, but then you'll never have to do it again. And that time compounds month in and month out, year in and year out, and allows you to focus more on 
your zone of genius, if you will, or what really gets you going about your business. And, and then once that step is taken, they usually, since they're type A, they usually become delegate masters gotcha. and are searching for things that they don't want to do anymore and that they can get off their plate. And it comes down to that trust that is built up in the relationship between assistant and, and principal. Um, in terms of the four magic powers, there, look, there's, there's tons of magic powers, Yeah, but everything breaks down to trust. And if the relationship is working between principal and assistant, it's a free flowing flow of information. And the more information you allow your assistant to absorb, the more of those magic powers are going to come through along the lines of seeing around corners, asking the right questions, um, anticipating changes, having plan Bs. Um, all of that is uh, can seem like omnipresence mm -hmm. or having a crystal ball, but a lot of it is based on hard experience that the assistant has gone through with other principals throughout their career and just applying it to the situation at hand. Um, gotcha. I hope that answers the question. No, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's so true. I, I think uh, once you become, uh, once you get past that point of uh, just being able to let it go, I think that's when, uh, you know, folks can, if you can really excel in their roles in that executive position there. So good. Uh, I was looking through your blog there and I'm a big fan of networking and relationship building. And one of the things you talked about, you did a great video on was the handshake. I loved this video, by the way, like in your eyes, what's the perfect handshake? Well, um, I did that video a long time ago. You're bringing back memories. That's funny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, yeah, some good stuff in there. I was like, oh man, this is so true. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, um, it's, it's, well, we all know that person who has the kind of limp fish handshake and you, yeah. you know, there's nothing there. There's no, it's like, there's no transfer of energy and, and, you know, usually that, that hand, that kind of handshake is followed by, you know, not, I, no connection in the eyes, no warm smile. Um, and, and more, it's just more perfunctory or, or, you know, not, there's, there's nothing behind it. And then yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the person who's just going to cramp down and just really jam on your hand. And I have a couple of friends where I'm like, dude, you got to go easy on the handshake. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, no. And they're, you're thinking they're trying to show some dominance over you or really just get into, into that. And, um, and yet that middle of the road handshake is really what I'm looking for. Just nice, firm, followed by and with that um facial um acknowledgement you know yeah. eye contact uh a warm smile as opposed to being cold and like i don't want to be here kind of face or yeah. you know so um you can learn a lot i feel from someone's handshake yeah most definitely yeah it's so important and yeah the, the hulk handshakes are always like oh my gosh i don't know what he's trying to do like <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those funny just things that happens there. What's coming up next for you? Like, what are you most excited about right now? 
Well, you know, over the last five years, we're in our sixth year at Pro Assisting, which we're really, okay. really, really proud of. Uh, not a lot of businesses make it past five years. Um, yeah. We're fully bootstrapped. And wow. um, it's just my wife and I with our partner EAs who are independent contractors and kind of running their own business under under our umbrella. And we're serving as their agent. And, you know, Eric, what's been really, really um, gratifying for us is that we have pro we've got about 30 assistants with us now but we've brought about 80 assistants through pro assisting and transitioned them from working as w2 full-time employees for companies to working with clients and wow. kind of starting their own business and that has been really gratifying and at the beginning of this year stephanie and i were like wow we have this all this corporate experience. Um, we have this experience of running Pro Assisting as a training program in the beginning of of Pro Assisting's existence, and then now we have all this experience of working for clients instead of bosses, and what that means. And we're we're providing income, um, millions of dollars of income for our assistants, and we're like can we do more of that? Hmm. And right now we are launching our first cohort for the pro assisting Academy, which is geared towards, um, career minded, uh, forward leaning executive assistants who want to really create a presence, um, online as, and, and set themselves up to choose where they live, who they work for, what they do long-term towards the, through the second half of their career. Wow. And um, we're really excited about that. We're going back to our educational roots, if you will. And we both take a lot of great pride and, and satisfaction from having those aha moments with people who have a very distinct, awesome skill and don't realize all of the opportunities that are before them if they just looked for them. Right. And, you know, I think it's the case for any number of people who um, are looking at the second half of their career and saying to themselves, I've got all of this experience and why can't I go off on my own? You know, why can't I consult? Why can't I work fractionally? Why, you know, why can't I live where I want to live? And yeah. the beautiful thing is, is that you can. Um, you know, the, the internet has has democratized geography in a way where you can set yourself up to work with other people and in different areas. Um, and and it's it's just such an exciting time and. You know, our story is very similar or simple. It's very, let me say common. You know, we took gotcha. our career experience that we know inside and out, and we transitioned it into a service-based business that we somewhat productized. So many people can do that with so many different things. You don't have to be an executive assistant. And right. so I hope anyone listening and anyone of your audience can maybe dive a little deeper on that and maybe brainstorm a little in terms of what, what stories do I have? What expertise do I have that I could transition into my own service business and, and really 
chart the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of my career on my terms. That is such a good way to look at things. And I'm 43 years old. I've been in sales most of my life, but done customer success for the last 10 years and just really enjoyed that and being able to help other companies in that area. Like that's a big thing for me. And then, you know, podcasting, this is my, this is my thing, man. I love right. talking with people and, and passionate about network networking relationship building. So I've been able to turn that into courses and help other people and, and show them how to build that up. Yep. Uh, but the power of the internet is so amazing. I've been, I'm working, I've been working remote since 2015 and it's been the best thing ever and being able to connect with people all over the world. And my clients are global and, it's so nice to be able to do that remote work uh, and build that trust with folks just over, over the internet, you know? Yeah. I, Stephanie, I like to say, well, it's somewhat scary, but we say we're kind of unemployable now. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and there is something uh, that happens when you get on the other side of the fence and you're, you're running your own show in that there is an inherent stress level that even when things are going great, and everything's perfect. Um, I still feel stress sure. and, and being able to acknowledge that. And after, you know, being in our sixth year, I'm, I've gotten somewhat used to it, but it really keeps you on your toes. Yeah. And, and it also, it also, um, helps to solidify your relationship with those you're serving because they know you're out on your own. You know, right. they know, and they know that they're, they're probably getting a really good transfer of value because they're dealing directly with you mm -hmm. and, um, and not hiring a full-time person for this role, whatever it is that may be. Um, I'm sure you experience it in your business too. Oh yeah. All, all the time, all the time. And it's, it's so good to you know, build those relationships, but it is stressful. You know, sometimes you get like Kings and sometimes you eat top ramen, <laughs> right. you know, you just have to figure out that balance there, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I love to finish my show off with a fun question. I'm a big music guy. So I love to ask the question, like what type of music do you like to listen to? Or do you have a favorite band that you like to listen to? Well, yeah, I mean, I have, I, I'm a musician. Uh, okay. I play piano, guitar, percussion. I sing, uh, love music. It, it's, it's a great release. Um, I mean, everything from the grateful dead back in the day, I just got back from Chicago catching two dead and company shows at Wrigley to fish to Dave Matthews to, you know, I I've been listening to goose recently, okay. which, um, has kind of been blowing my mind a little in terms of their, um, their musicianship. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, but I'm, I'm really, a, I, I love putting on, a, just telling Surrey to, to play the best Led Zeppelin songs, you know, um, or the Beatles. Um, yeah. And I just like to think I have a good ear to where I can listen to something and be like, wow, that, that's a catchy song. And I'm one of those people when I hear something I love, I got to listen to the song like 40 times yeah. and it just infects <laughs> me. Um, so I, I listen to everything, but, but that gives you kind of a taste. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I I'm very much like I used to work for universal records. I don't know how to play anything. I've got a guitar behind me here, uh, but uh, I loved the behind the scenes, getting to understand and get to know the musicians a little bit more. And it was just a great time. Uh, definitely. I got to live like a rock star for a couple of years, which was fun. And now looking back going, I don't know if I would have done those things. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. I actually started in the music industry as well. 
I saw that. Uh, yeah, you were doing. Were you? What were you doing for those guys? I was. I well, I started as an intern for Warner okay. Brothers, but it was under the Electra banner. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and you know, I went and studied abroad in Australia and brought my keyboard and fell in with a group of Australians who were playing in a band and was jamming with them. And like, I want to merge, you know, my entrepreneurial business sense with creativity that led me into working for, you know, Electra, yeah. um, in their marketing department. And then, um, through that job, I got a film production job in New York city that sent me on my way. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, music is has was definitely the bridge. That's awesome. Uh, Ethan, this was such a great show, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and sharing your story and sharing what you got going on, man. You're an absolute world changer, man. Thank you so much. Eric, thank you so much for having me, bud. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.